Well, thank you, team. You did a great job pulling all that together. And thank you, Mary Elsie. Um, thank you for those prayers. And uh, thank you, Julie, for playing trumpet this morning. <laughs> There's still hope for me. Might be. Uh, this morning, we, we want to especially remember the Carter family, John and Wilma. Uh, Wilma passed away yesterday. And uh, it was kind of, she was not well. And... Um, she was at home when she passed away, so we want to pray for the uh, Carter family. Let's just, let's just do that. Father, thank you for the opportunity of lifting up our brothers and sisters. We remember especially John um, as he now um, begins the process or continues the process of preparing service for um, the celebration of his wife's life. Thank you for Wilma and all that she has meant to this congregation and this church, and just pray that all of this as we move forward, that we would be a congregation that reaches out and cares and supports, and that, uh, Father, you would be with them in their time of grief. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hopefully each of us has a person in our life that really inspires them. Um, you heard that we were out west for the celebration of life for um, Julie's brother, Rich. And I don't think that I have ever been in a service where the deceased had probably between five and eight other men that considered him to be their best friend. Think about that for a second. Eight, five to eight people said Rich was their best friend. There's something about an individual like that that inspires, that says, you know what, I, I somehow would like to be like you, or I like your presence, I like being around you. I want to tell you about another person this morning that really inspires me. One that you, you, you just want to be around. Some people in this life, you know, you kind of go, after a little while, I've had enough of that. Um, I, I'd like to change the channel. But not with this person. His life was radically transformed, and in turn, he helped to lead others into changed lives. If you get a chance at some point, I'd love for you to just to uh, ask Travis about his life. Ask Travis about how he's been radically transformed, raised as a preacher's kid, how he moved out from that, and where he is today. Just as an example. But he's not the person. The person uh, that I want to talk about to, uh, to you this morning, I want to read a couple quotes for you. Speaking of himself, he said this, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And we're going to talk about that in a little while. Then in chapter 2, verse 10 to 11, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What he's saying is, is that there's coming a time, my friends, when all of our knees are going to bow because of what Jesus Christ 
means to us and because of Jesus Christ, we're going to bow and acknowledge him for who he really is. Then in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Chapter 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Saying a lot about rejoicing this morning. As you probably guessed, this person that has inspired me is none other than the Apostle Paul. He wrote the letter to the leaders of the Philippian church from Acts chapter 16. We learn how the church was founded. We learn of Paul's recruitment of Timothy, how he worked with him and how he molded him and, and how he mentored him. We learn how the church was founded. Paul and his companions included Luke, um, including Luke, wanted to go to Asia to preach the gospel, but the Holy Spirit prevented them from going there. And eventually, they end up in Philippi, where Paul gathers a small group of people around him, the, the small Jewish community by the river, and he preached the gospel. And there was a woman there by the name of Lydia, a wealthy and successful lady, and she's gloriously saved, and the church of Philippi is born. Isn't that a great story? It's a wonderful story. It's a story of redemption. It is the story of individuals who are changed because Paul, the Apostle Paul, was changed. We desire for that same transformation in the lives and the hearts of the people that come to Arlington Woods. The people that are out in the community. The people that aren't even here yet this morning. The people that are watching us online who have not said yet, yes to Jesus, who've not bowed a knee to Jesus. That is our desire to see that. Later in Acts chapter 28, as you, read the, as you read through the Bible, Acts chapter 8, while Paul was in prison, he penned this letter. He wrote this letter. While in prison, Paul writes the letter to provide information and encouragement and some warnings. And in there, Paul talks about the joy of Christ throughout all a variety of issues. There isn't anything that you have faced, there isn't anything that you're going to face that God doesn't know about and that God isn't able and prepared to help you. We know that this letter comes from Paul and Timothy. They're servants of the Lord Jesus Christ as this passage starts. If you haven't looked there, you need to look to Philippians chapter 1. That's where we're going, verses 1 through 11. Over the course of the next um, month and a half, we're going to be studying the book of Philippians. My buddy, Paul, and the church in Philippi. So we know that it is uh, Paul and Timothy, they're servants of Jesus Christ, and they're writing it to all the saints. They're writing it to all the leaders that are in Philippi. He says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what he says. I thank my God in my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and in the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you, all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Boy, if I, if I could, I'd just love to come and just give you a big hug. 
That's not in there. I just said that. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. We're talking about living well, and we're talking about how it's important for us as we think about partnerships. And part of that partnership is us with Christ and us with one another. That's what we're talking about today. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about perspectives and getting perspective. But today, we're talking about joy in Christ-centered relationships. Paul begins this letter on a happy and encouraging note. He praises God for his co-workers. Boy, I tell you, you know, um, some of us in our work environments, that's not so much what we experience. But that's the way it should be as we come together as the body of Christ. We should be here to encourage one another and to move one another towards being more like him. True joy in relationship stems from a focus on Christ. It, it is like this wellspring. It is like this source, I'd say energy. It's this source of goodness. It's this source of power that comes from Christ to enable us in our partnerships, in our relationships. Being Christ-centered begins with him. A few things that we want to talk about. First is that Paul, Paul's thankful remembrance. Every time, so this is good for us as we think about our relationships. Every time the Apostle Paul remembered the saints of Philippi, he thanked God. Imagine, just remember the people, you know, during the week, I, I remember the faces, I remember your faces, and I thank God for you. He loved them. Their friendship gave him great joy. There's times, you know, I just get a little chuckle. I remember somebody, I'll go, that's, that's funny. Not because you're, well, just because. <laughs> think of our own church. When I think of you, I have great joy. I thank God for you. For Christ-centered relationships. Relationships that are built upon and strengthened by the Lord Jesus Christ. They bring joy-filled thankfulness. It just sort of flows out of that. Second thing is, is that Paul, Paul's joy-filled prayer was joyful, uh, full of prayer, but it's also joy-filled prayer. This joy moves from Paul's thankful remembrance to Paul's uh, prayer. These brothers and sisters, they were focused on Jesus Christ, and he enjoyed helping them and encouraging them to be more like Jesus. When our lives are focused on Christ, we relieve the prayer life of those that are praying for us. It makes it easier for them to pray for us when we are more focused on Jesus. When we're not, they have to pray harder and work harder as they pray for us. It's easier on them if you align your life with Christ. If you want others to pray, with, pray for you with joy, then live for Christ. When you have an errant child, son or daughter, or family member, our hearts ache for them. We're, we're, we're so 
so full of sadness and we grieve. But our hearts are more full when we know that they are walking in light of God's goodness. So Paul has this joy-filled prayer because of what he sees happening in the people of Philippi, the Philippian church. Third thing is, is Paul's faithful partners. Paul's joyful thanksgiving and joy-filled prayer are both based on his faithful partners. He says this, because of your partnership in the gospel from the, from the first day until now, Paul notes that they've been faithful from the beginning until where they are right now. That's important for us. And it's important for us to acknowledge that. We don't say that enough to the people that are around us. We don't say that enough to those that we're in relationship with. Our significant others. Our kids. Our people that are in ministry is to, to support them and to, to encourage them. Church has been going for about 10 years. For 10 years, the Philippian believers were faithfully pursuing Christ and gospel ministry. I think there's been a time when we have thought that we can overemphasize a person's, what they're doing well, and maybe they'll become conceited. I don't, I think that's possible. I think people have thought that. But I think in the life of the church, we ought to be telling people and encouraging people to continue on their path of following Jesus and to say that we're proud of them and to pat them on the back and to continue to move them in that direction. Paul's faithful partners, he's not afraid to tell them that. When was the last time you encouraged somebody? Just, just, just come up to them and just said, you know what, I, I've been watching you. It's just, it's amazing to me and it encourages me to see your faithfulness. Because the opposite is so discouraging and it's gut-wrenching and it is sad when we see brokenness. When we can encourage those people and strengthen them, all the better. So Paul, he's, he's speaking of um, these faithful partners. Fourth thing is, is Paul's confident expectation. He can say this because of the relationship with Christ. He looked from the past to the present, and he can look to the future. Paul was confident. Matter of fact, he was persuaded. If he was a betting man, he'd put all the chips down. That because of God's faithfulness in the past and the present, he's going to be with you in the future. See, when I think of the most immediate example of this is, uh, is my brother-in-law, um, Julie's brother, Rich. And all the way through that, he prayed that God would, would perform a miracle even up to the last week of his life, even up to the last days of his life, that God would perform a miracle and heal him. God chose a different way of healing, the ultimate healing of into the next life. But up until the day that he died, he wanted to be used of God. He wanted to have meaningful conversations with people. I never, I, I never saw so many people, so much so that they had to schedule them to go to hospice to see him. Most people would say, you know what, I'll, I'll see you at the funeral. 
His heart's desire was that he had meaningful conversations, not about the weather, not about, not about the stuff that's going on around the community, but how is the state of your heart? Paul was encouraged because of the relationship that the Philippians had with Christ. And he looked to the past, the present, and he could look to the future because of their faith. We continue. Uh, Verse uh, number five, Paul's emotional response. Paul provides a glimpse into the heart and the mind of a minister of the gospel. He had a deep love of these people, and it was because of that relationship that they had with Christ. Their love for Christ was demonstrated in two ways. By their partaking of grace with Paul while he was in prison, by helping him, by encouraging him, and in his defense and confirmation of the gospel. They stood by the apostle faithfully whether he's defending the gospel or enduring persecution, wherever he was, these people were supporting him. Paul dearly loved these believers. And it brought him incredible joy. And I can say this morning, with all honesty, is I commend you to Travis as generous people. That is what I feel in my own heart towards you as your pastor. And as we look at this letter, there's many things in there that I wish to be able to convey to you through the Apostle Paul. As he speaks about joy, as he speaks about rejoicing. The relationship that Paul had with the Philippian believers brought mutual joy, not only to him as a leader, because there would be day, there'd be lots of days that would just suck. It'd be terrible. It'd be bad. But he knew that there was this Philippian church that was praying for him and caring for him. It's probably the only letter, the only church that he didn't condemn. Many commentaries talk about that. There's something special about this church. Something special about you. Second thing that we want to talk about is is that there was this Christ-centered relationship which focuses on spiritual growth and God's glory. It's verses 8 and 11, if you have your Bibles open there. I'm not going to read it. But there is this Christ-centered relationships that bring joy because they focus on spiritual growth and God's glory. I think that it can become easy for us just to be able to move through life and go through the, um, just the routine of life and not really engage what the gospel means and really engage what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Paul's prayer was for spiritual growth. Pastor's prayer is that his people will grow. Her people will grow. Paul's prayer is... In a deep and loving way for the Philippians' spiritual growth, first is that Paul's prayer addresses uh, address their love. He, they, had, they had demonstrated their love in verses 5 and 7. They stayed faithful and ministered to Paul while he was in prison and while, he, while the, there was the defense of the gospel. Those were the two things. Just talk, we talked about that just briefly before. Paul's prayer was that their love would abound more and more. Boy, what, I, 
I wish, he says, that I could just turn you loose and that you would just love on people and care for them. Paul's prayer addressed their love. Second, Paul's prayer aimed at development. While Paul prayed for an increase in love, he further clarified his prayer with two phrases, with knowledge and all discernment. So it's not just haphazardly going out and just loving on people, but there is this element with knowledge and discernment. There's an emphasis, there's a strategy. Thankful that as a church, we have a strategic plan, and as we begin to move that strategic plan forward, God will allow that love to be evident and help it to grow out. I look forward to see what that looks like in the future. A love that's demonstrated in a variety of ways. Third thing is, is that Paul's prayer has a purpose. Paul's purpose in praying for the believer's spiritual growth was twofold, to make the best possible choices and to be the best possible people. Hear that again. He was praying for them so that they would make the best possible choices and that they would be the best possible people. It was to make Christ-like decisions and to display Christ-like character, to have fruit. Christ-like relationships focus on spiritual growth. And this, in turn, moves towards us behaving more like Christ. So it's, it is hearing, internalizing, knowing, and then living that out. He would, say, he would later say in chapter 1, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And when we focus on spiritual growth, it changes the way we think and we act. I guess some of the questions that we would ask, we wrap this up, is that do we pray for others with these purposes? Are you listening to the preaching of God's word? Do you pray for yourself and for others? Do Christ-centered relationships focus on this? Paul also writes, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, he prayed that they would be filled with the fruit. It's evident by um, how we live. Paul and the Philippians are saturated with Jesus Christ. There's this aroma about them that when you see them, they're like Christ. And as a result, their relationship brought true joy. There's one word that talks about the theme of Philippians. It is joy. And that is because they were like Christ. They lived like Jesus. The apostle Paul was transformed on the road to Damascus. And he would never be the same again. And as followers of Jesus Christ, because of what he has meant to us, we will never be the same again. I encourage you, it's not a long book. If you haven't read it lately, read it. Simply walk through this passage and pray for yourself and for the church. That's our application for today. That's what, that's what your homework is. Go home, read chapter, um, Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And pray what's in there for you and for your family and for your friends. Father, this morning, thank you for this great book. 
What a giant. What an individual that devote, uh, devoted himself to you completely and made a difference in the world that will be felt right straight through to eternity. Help us not only to be hearers of this word, but to be doers and to live out this life of following after you. Amen.